Hi, you've just downloaded or otherwise accessed a podcast of Cross Point Church and the teaching ministry presented through our weekly Sunday morning worship. Feel free to burn a copy of this file when you're finished and pass it along to a friend you think might also benefit from the teaching. We hope you enjoy the message today, and thanks again for taking the time to visit. Have you ever made a promise that somebody else had to keep? Maybe recently for some of you. When I was a kid, I played basketball at the boys' club, and before our first game, our coach says, Man, you got to go out and buy a pair of black low-top or black Converse tennis shoes before the game this week. I want everybody to raise your hand. Promise me you're going to go buy some black Converse tennis shoes. So I raised my hand <clears throat> fully knowing that that's a promise I couldn't keep because I didn't have the twelve ninety-five that a pair of black low-top Converse tennis shoes cost at that time. <clears throat> and so... Uh, we opted, our family opted for the Jeepers at Sears, which looked a little bit like the Chucky e. Taylor cons, but, but uh, we're, we're only nine ninety five a pair. So um, I went home and shared that promise that <laughs> with my mom and dad saying, I hope I can keep this promise. And we kept the promise for, for tennis shoes, but they wasn't exactly the same promise I made for, for Converse. And um, sometimes we, we have situations in life like that where there's a, there's a commitment we make or a promise we make or a, or a pledge we make or a, or a covenant or a, whatever, however you would describe it, knowing full well that's going to depend on somebody else to carry that through because I can't do that myself or maybe I can't do it by myself. And grace is a lot like a promise keeper. It's a lot like God making promises that grace keeps, Jesus making promises that grace keeps, the Scripture making promises, covenants that grace ends up keeping. Grace is the vehicle to the fruition, the coming to pass of a lot of promises in Scripture. They come, come to pass because of God's grace. Today, we're going to look at three of those. There are hundreds in the Scripture that we don't have time to go into, but today we're going to look at three of those in three different passages of Scripture. First, in, we'll be in First Peter, if you want to turn in your Bibles to First Peter chapter 1. We're going to see... <clears throat> how grace becomes the vehicle to these things, how it's the impetus to, to promises being kept and, and, and covenants being fulfilled and being fulfilled in ways that we can't do on our own. We don't have the capacity to, to, to do on our own or to bring about on our own. So the first promise, the uh, first thing grace has promised is to be full of hope. Look, in, if you will, with me in First uh, Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. Set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. How? With minds, he says in this verse, that are fully alert and sober. And in essence, don't allow the, in, the enemy or no one else to dissuade you or move you sideways from this hope. Uh, basically, erase, don't allow anybody or anything or anyone to erase the certainty of his return, he's saying. The hope of his coming is found through the vehicle of grace. So <clears throat> this isn't a blind hope or a blind faith or a blind trust. It's one that he says is, is, is brought about by our being alert and sober. So the question comes, alert and sober to what? <clears throat> alert and sober to the signs of the times as they relate to the promises of Scripture. 
And that correlation has to be made in our culture. Otherwise, we'll, we'll never see God at work much around us. If we see the signs of the times, and Scripture speaks to them, Matthew 24 speaks to them vividly, First uh, Peter speaks to them, James speaks to them, First Timothy speaks to them, the signs of the times... In essence, you, you've seen, as you've read through Scripture, hopefully over the years, you've seen reference to the, to the term day of the Lord, the day of the Lord. Uh, Matthew's gospel speaks to it. John's gospel speaks to it. And what he's, what he's talking about, the day of the Lord, is, is not the pre-tribulation rapture of the church, but the post-tribulation coming, second coming again of Jesus Christ all the way to the earth to set foot on uh, the earth himself. And so in, 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 in the physical, in physical form again. And so this day of the Lord that, that is, is exactly what he's referring to it's here in verse 13 of 1 Peter 1 is the hope in his return, is the hope in this glorious return, not the, not the, the stealth return that, that the rapture will, will bring about, but the glorious return, the, the global return where everyone sees his coming and sees the fact that he is Messiah. He is the promised one. He is the king. And we didn't acknowledge it as we should have. But he's saying here that you need to be alert and sober coming into this understanding of, of his coming again, grace being the vehicle to that, but not out of naivety, but out of awareness, out of alertness, out of soberness as to what the Scripture teaches in light of the things we're seeing in our world. And I'm going to tell you, we're seeing some things in our world that are taking us right up to the precipice, I think, of his coming again. Uh, I, I, think, I think the Muslim world, the expansion of the Muslim world and the, and the, the dominance now really almost that they have, not only through the Middle East but in many parts of Asia, uh, spreading into Europe. Um, I, was, I was blown away at recent stories of, of <clears throat> excuse me, these killings in France to learn about the, the Muslim population in France. I was blown away by, by how, many, how many Muslims there were in, in France and, 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 and as many Jews as well. Um, but th- you're seeing the stage being set for those things, and his, and his return could be soon, it could be imminent. So he's saying here in this verse, be alert and sober to the signs of the times, in essence, as they relate to the promises of Scripture. How do we do that? Grace is the vehicle for that, he's saying. Grace is the vehicle that brings understanding. It's the vehicle that brings awareness. It's, it's the vehicle that brings soberness, that brings alertness, that brings this desire to stick our nose in the newspaper, on the news, and back in the Word to correlate all of this and make sure it's all making sense with each other. And it does, and it will if we'll do that. But we've got to make some effort to do that. Now, he's saying also in this verse, I believe that the promise of his return is as sure as the promise of his birth was, as the prophecy, promise and prophecy, similar, similar terminology, the promise of his return is, is as sure as the promise of his birth and the promise of his crucifixion. We get both of those references in Isaiah. Uh, For to us a child is born, a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and name, his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That promise in Isaiah 9, 6, he says, you saw fulfilled in the birth of Jesus, in essence. He's, or I think he's saying this by reminder, and he does in, in, in these early verses of First Peter, <clears throat> to say that was the promise of his birth, the promise of his crucifixion in, in Isaiah 53, but he was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Uh, the punishment that brought peace, was our, our peace was upon him, and by his wounds we were healed, Isaiah 53, 5. He's saying, as sure as these promises were brought about in Jesus' birth and Jesus' crucifixion, the promise of his return is just as true. Be alert and sober to the fact that he's coming again. How do I know that? How do I see that? How do I move toward that? How do I understand the scripture? How do I understand the signs of the times? It's by the grace of God. That that, that, that 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 is allowed to happen in the mind and heart of every believer. Grace is the vehicle to that, he's saying. So, this hope is as real as your salvation is real. 
If your salvation is real to you, then this hope should be as just as real to you. Here's a question. Do you know somebody who's lost hope? Do you know somebody in your world, in your sphere of influence, either as a believer or unbeliever, that they've just lost hope? There's been so many circumstances and situations that's come through their life, and it it seems like the enemy's been all over them, or or, or the culture's been all over them, or circumstances, or health, or or the attack of of the enemy, but they just, for one reason or another, or many, they've lost hope. Here's a great, great, great verse for you to, 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 to seed away in your mind and heart uh, is, is this person, First Peter. With minds that are alert and sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed. On the grace that he brings with him and will reveal in himself and in his coming. Grace is the vehicle to hope being found and being had. So what's the solution to your life or your friend's life that are lacking hope? Pour grace all over them. Pour the grace of God all over them. Not literally, but figuratively speaking, be the grace of God to them. Be a source of hope to them. Be a source of strength to them. Why? Because if they don't see it from you and from me and from, from those of us who, who have his grace and his hope in us, they'll never see it anywhere. They'll never see it anywhere. His grace is the vehicle to their experiencing and your experiencing and my experiencing hope. It's the vehicle to that. It's promised to be full of hope. Secondly, grace is promised not only to be, to be full of hope, but to result in immortality. Grace is promised to result in immortality. Turn to Second Timothy chapter 1, and let's look together in verses 6 to 12. For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the Spirit of God gave us, does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel I was appointed a herald, an apostle, and a teacher. That's why I'm suffering as I am, yet I'm not ashamed because I know whom I believed. And I'm convinced that he is able to guard what I've entrusted to him until that day. Now, he says he destroyed death and brought life and immortality. And grace, he's saying in this passage, was the vehicle that this grace was given to us, verse 9, before the beginning of time. It has now been revealed. And verse 10 says, who, Jesus Christ, who has destroyed death and brought life and immortality through the gospel. What's the vehicle of that? The vehicle of that is this grace that he's given us from the beginning of time, he says in verse 9. So notice that, that uh, this grace is, is not constrained by life or death. It's neither constrained by time. It was, it was before the world began. Grace existed in this verse, he says. But what I do also want to remind you is not in this passage, but, but throughout the other teachings of Scripture, is that grace has a season. There's a season to grace. And we looked at, we saw part of it there uh, in, in the last passage we looked at in First Peter. When his coming, when his second coming to earth, not the rapture of the church, but when his second coming to earth, post-tribulation, happens in physical form, grace is stopped. It ceases. The opportunity to come to know him is over. The end is near. The, end, the day of the Lord has come, in essence, that he, that he teaches about in the Gospels. And so what I want you to see is, is that grace is timeless on the front end. It was before creation ever existed, before the beginning of time, he says in this passage. But grace will have a season. Grace will stop. 
And grace will be no more when he returns to the earth. That will be the, the grace. All grace will cease at that time. Now, we will live in eternity as a result of God's grace. So it will be realized, but the opportunity to receive it will be over. There's a season to grace. Um, he, he, he talks about the day of the Lord in Second Peter in, in Acts chapter 2.20. But this opportunity to receive it ceases when he comes. That's why, and I shared a little bit with you about this last week, uh, in, in, in reminding you via that t-shirt that your story matters. That's why your story and my story of what God has done, what he is up to, what he is doing in us and in us, hopefully through us, that's why that matters. So it is such of great importance because this grace that you and I walk in today in the church age that you and I live in, this grace that we walk in today has a season to it. There's a switch to it. And as soon as he comes again and raptures the church, and as soon as the church endures tribulation, He's going to come again post-tribulation to set foot on, on, on Mount Zion, the Scripture says, and the grace flipped will be sw- uh, switch will be flipped at that point, and it's over. The opportunity to receive him by way of grace ceases. That's why your story and my story of, of his grace in us and hopefully through us is so important. That's why it needs to be told over and over and over and over again. By the grace of God, here's what he's allowed me to experience. By the grace of God, here's what he's done in my life. By the grace of God, I accepted him as my Savior. By the grace of God, I'm walking with him. By the, by the grace of God, I'm dealing with sickness. or I'm dealing with cancer. I'm dealing with, with loss. By the grace of God, I'm, I'm understanding what it's like to, to walk through a period of loss or hurt. By the grace of, and, and all, all these things we experience by the grace of God need to be told and, and filtered into the lives of other people. Why? Because grace has a season. And when that season is over, it's over. It's over for your family. It's over for your friends. There, there's, a, there's a door that will be closed one of these days. And, and, and I pray that it's not soon. Uh, well, I do pray that it is soon. I, I, was, I was doing the nanny's graveside there uh, on Monday this week and told the story of my visit to her and um, in, over in NHC when she was over near Fort Sanders and Ask her about her faith. I said, Nanny, I've heard from others, but I want to hear from you. <clears throat> Do you know Jesus as your Savior? Are you ready to meet him? And she leans forward in her seat, and her eyes kind of bug out. She says, not only am I ready, I'm anxious. And, you know, as I, as I told the story, I, I left her room that day a little, a little bit jealous <laughs> because I was re- I'm ready too, but I don't know that I'm anxious. And I, and I need to be anxious. I need to anticipate. I need to look forward to his, I need to hope and live with a sense of anxiety that, and the possibility that it could be today, it could be tonight, it could be tomorrow. I need to be <clears throat> anxious for his return. I'm ready, but I don't know that I'm anxious, are you? We need to, we need to live with that sense of expectation um, because when that door closes, as I said, it closes forever. It closes for good, and there's a price to be paid, and the price is not pretty, as we see in, in Revelation 20, Revelation 19. Our testimony matters, and, um, and, our, and our story is, is extremely important. But grace results in immortality. You and I, because of grace, will live forever if we know Jesus. Man, it's, a, it's, a, it's an incredible story to tell, and each of us have one that know him. We need to tell it. So not only has grace promised to be full of hope and to result in immortality, but thirdly, grace has promised to sustain his own. Turn to the back of the book. All the way to Revelation chapter 22. The very last couple of verses in Scripture is where we find uh, some incredible truths here. Grace is promised to sustain his own. Grace is promised to sustain his own. Revelation 22, 20 and 21 says, He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I'm coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus, watch this, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with 
God's people. Amen. The grace of the Lord be with God's people. To be with God's people literally means in the, in, in the original text to carry or sustain. So that his grace carries us until his coming. His grace sustains us until his coming. His grace is the vehicle that says in the middle of cancer, in the middle of loss, in the middle of addiction, in the middle of hurt, in the middle of a job loss, in the middle of a lack of understanding about this, that, or the, in the middle of those things, it's grace that carries me. It's grace that sustains me. It's not my own strength. It's not my own smarts. It's not even, as good as this is, it's not even the prayers of the saints. It is the grace of God that sustains me through those times. Do we need to stop praying? Do we need to stop getting our no? No, we don't need to stop any of those things. But it is the grace of God. It is the grace with his people. The grace be with his, God's people. It is that carrying, sustaining, uh, 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 the longevity, in essence, is what I want you to see in, in, in this picture of, of how he sustained his own. So is it just in that present circumstance that John was writing about in that day? No. And it's not just in our present circumstance. Yes, grace will sustain you through whatever present circumstance you're in. But it, it sustains you beyond that into the next circumstance and the next one and the next one and the one after that and the one after that. That's what grace does. That's how far grace goes. We looked at uh, in, in week two that his grace is immeasurable. John John one fourteen says, out of, out of his, the fullness of him, we have received grace that replaces grace, grace on top of grace already given Grace upon grace upon grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. It never stops. It sustains. That's the design that God had to it, is that it sustained the heart and life and mind of every believer until he comes, until that, that, that opportunity of grace ceases. Now, it's vitally important that you and I understand that the very last message of this book that he wants every believer to hang on to is grace. It's grace that carries you through. It's grace that gets you through things you don't understand, things that are difficult. It grace that, it's grace that helps you see the, the, the meaning that God's into and what, what he's working, how he's working through these circumstances. You may not see it immediately, but it's grace that gives you a sense of, oh, that's what that was about a week later, 10 years later. Whenever, it, whenever that, it, that comes, it's grace that brings reason to things, that helps you, helps you have some understanding and, some, and, and you see God's design to things. Of That's what he was up to. It was about this relationship. It was about this conversation. It was about this opportunity. It was about and these things that happened. That conversation that happened months ago, weeks ago, maybe even years ago, was about what God was doing right here. It's grace that gives us that kind of reason, that kind of understanding that sustains, that carries, and, and brings about a revelation like we would never see apart from it. So uh, it's, it's, I think it's, it's vitally important, as I say, that we see that the, the very last message of Scripture is grace, and it's because of this as well. It's because every essential of the faith depends on it. Every essential of faith depends on grace. Redemption depends on grace. Rescue depends on grace. Reconciliation depends on grace. Restoration depends on grace. Right living, righteousness depends on grace. Every essential of the faith leans on grace to, to become real, to be, to, to, to be experienced. Now, not only that, but, but your health depends on God's grace. Your marriage depends on God's grace. Your, your friends, your finances, your influence, all those things depend on the grace of God to be dillied out as he wants it, to be seen and, and given and understood and known. It's God's grace that makes your conversation the right fit for this person's need. It's God's grace that makes your relationship, your friendship, your, your, with a coworker, with a, it's grace that makes, makes all these things connect the dots to where you see, ah, that was about this, and here's what God was up to in all of this. I didn't see it at the moment, 
But grace gave me the power to trust him in the moment, not understanding it, knowing that God was up to something for my good and his glory. Grace helps me through the, helps, helps me through the sustaining part of that where I, I can't see it. I don't get it today. It's grace becomes the vehicle of that. And our life, our lives, our very, our very, our, our very life and breath. Have you ever realized that, that now doctors and scientists will tell you that you are part electric, that there's some electricity in you, and that that in its part, in, in part, is what keeps your heart going. Or when I'm around my lovely wife, it's, it's, it's electricity, supposedly, that keeps that happening. You ever wonder where that comes from? We don't go to the socket and recharge. You ever wonder where that comes from? It comes from the grace of God, allowing that heart and the electric pulse of that heart to go. It's by God's grace that you and I walk and live and breathe and, and have being and have meaning and have purpose and have direction and have enjoyment of family and friends and all those things. It's by the grace of God that we live and walk and understand and experience the things that we do. So, how are we reminded, and we need to be, but how are we reminded about these promises of grace? And they're there, they're, as I say, there, there are hundreds of them all throughout Scripture. Go back to Second Timothy again. Turn back there, and I want you to see uh, a powerful verse that you should probably underline if you don't, if you don't have it underlined. But <clears throat> um, I want to look at verse 12 again and then verse 14. This, uh, that is why I'm suffering as I am, Paul says. Yet I'm not ashamed because I know whom I have believed, and I'm convinced that he is able to guard, watch this, to guard what I have entrusted to him against that day. Now drop down to verse 14. Guard the good deposit. That was entrusted to you. What is that good deposit? It's found back up in verse uh, verse 9. This grace that was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. That's the good deposit. And he's saying down in verse 14, guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help, and here it is, of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. The Spirit is the vehicle. It is, it is, it is the vehicle to remind, it, it's, it's the reminder, it's the daytimer, it's the tap on the shoulder. The Spirit, that's, that's the job of the Spirit to remind us of the promises of the grace of God all throughout Scripture. By the grace of God, here's what happened. By the grace of God, here's what happened. By the grace of God, Abraham. By the grace of God, Noah. By the grace of God, Moses. By the grace of God, uh, Isaiah. By the, and, and all throughout Scripture, by the grace of God, these things happen. By the will of God, yes, but also by the grace of God for your benefit and mine standing here today to reclaim all these promises, all these things that God has done to these individuals throughout Scripture, and he can do in you and in me. It's by the grace of God that all these things have occurred, and by the grace of God we have the opportunity today to stand and look at all of those and say, yeah, if God did it then, he can do it now. If he came through for him, he can come through for me. If he redeemed her, he can redeem me. God can do all of that. So it's by the Spirit that these these. These, these things were guarding the grace of God, this guarded promise, this guarded hope. It's by the Spirit that these things are guarded and that he, he's, he's the great reminder, the great prompter of, of these things in our lives. So, uh, he, and as, as I've said often, uh, there is always, uh, 10 times out of 10 in every connection, there's, a, there's, there's this connection with the Spirit and the Word. The Word never walks without the Spirit, and the Spirit never communicates without the Word. They always work together. To, to remind us and, and, and restore us and reveal to us the grace of God. So, as we close, more practical questions here. What has the grace of God done for you? What's the grace of God done for you? Now, it may be recent. 
You may, you may have seen God's hand at work in, in, in your life and around your circumstances, uh, maybe in relationship, maybe in a job, maybe, maybe financially, maybe, uh, maybe uh, 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 as I say, spiritually in some way. But how, what's, what's the grace of God done for you? And what I want to challenge your thinking to this morning is the more you think about that, whether it's health-related, whether it's spiritual, whether it's emotional, whether it's physical, whether it's financial, whether it's relational, the grace of God has done all of that. So the real answer to the question is what, to what's the grace of God done for you is everything. It is the vehicle to everything that God's doing and the circumstances he brings, brings about in your life. 1 Corinthians fifteen ten, Paul says, I am what I am because of the grace of God. In essence, I am where I am because of the grace of God. Do you realize you were, it's, it's not accidental that you were born in the time you were born in, into the family you were born in, into the circumstances you were born in? None of that's by accident. It's all by God's design. Do you realize that the relationships you enjoy today, the job you have, the home you have, the car you drove to church today, the, that all those things are at your hand by the grace of God? Paul says, I am what I am by the grace of God. In essence, all of my circumstances are what they are. I possess what I possess. I have the relationship that I have. I know who I know. I am where I am. All of those things are by the grace of God. The sooner you and I see that, the greater sense of priority we live with in how we categorize things. You see... If we look according to God's grace, folks becomes more important than stuff. Always will. If we look at the stories of Scripture over and over and over again, what God's doing is far more important than the present circumstance. Always is. But we can't see those things apart from grace. We can't, they don't come into clear focus apart from understanding, ah, this is a result of God's grace. It's not the result of my goodness or my smarts or my abilities or my knowledge or my relationships or my connections. This is a result of God's grace in my life. I am where I am. I know who I know. I experience what I experience by the grace of God. Paul reminds us of that, and you and I need reminded of that often. What's the grace of God done for us? Everything. But the more important question today is, is what is the grace of God doing in you? I can see evidence of what God's grace has done for you, and I know some of that about you. But the question is, what is God's grace doing in you? How has it changed your view? How has it changed your worldview? How has it changed your view of relationships, your view of marriage, your view of family, your view of friends? How has God's grace changed the way you connect with people, the way you identify, the way you make uh, 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 suppositions, the way you approach things? How has it changed your default system of how you, the lens that you look through as you see this world, as you see its people? Um, well, that story is being told in your life, and it's, and it's an unfolding story. I mean, if you're 70 and you've been a Christian for 50 years, that's a 50-year-old story, and it's still being told. If you're in your 20s and you've been a Christian for 10 years, that's a 10-year-old story, and there's a lot of mileage still yet to tell. That story is being told the further you live. And the further you live, the more that story ought to look like the grace of God, the grace of God, the grace of God. I am what I am, Paul says, by the grace of God. I've experienced what I've experienced been placed where I've been placed, have the mileage I have in this direction or that by the grace of God. It's all by the grace of God. A lot of people have um, good, sound, smart, theological people have tried to have tried to define grace. And you've heard some of these definitions before. Grace is uh, God's riches at Christ's expense. You've, you've, you've heard that acronym before. You've heard probably the, the, the definition of grace being God's unmerited favor 
on us, uh, and, you, and probably dozens of other definitions of grace. And, and those are good, nothing wrong with them, and, and well-meaning. But I would submit to you this, it's too big to define. There's no definition for grace. I can't think of a good one. You know why? Because as far as my, as far as my mind will go, I can't get my mind around it. It's, trying to, it's like trying to get your mind around the Trinity. You ever been able to get your mind around the Trinity? Good luck with that. Ever try to get your mind around grace? Ever sit and think about, where does this come from? Why is it poured into my life? Why, why do I stand today to benefit from that? And, and what's that supposed to be about in the lives of other people around me? It'll blow your mind. You can't, it's impossible to define the grace of God. We just have to live it, experience it, and believe it. And the more we do, as I said, if you've been a Christian 70 years or 50 years or 100, or you know, if you're like Doc, you've been a Christian 120 years already, you, you, you got enough mileage. And grace is telling a story, or it should be, to say, this is, I've experienced, I've walked into places I've walked. You know, the, in his case, I've come up on accident scenes. I've chased down crooks. I've, I've gone every step of the mile that I've gone because of the grace of God. God's grace was at work in every circumstance. I didn't see it at the moment all the time. But it, 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 <clears throat> it collectively puts together a story of here's what God has allowed me to, to experience. Here's the place he's, he's allowed me to walk to see him, to see him show up, to see him speak to me through it, to see him speak through me to someone else about it. The grace of God has been a vehicle to all of that. I'm going to tell you, you, you will not get your minds around the grace of God. I don't care how hard you try. But I, I hope our, our walk, our journey through these past nine weeks in looking at grace has, has done you as it has done me. And I, and I look at the things that we've examined through Scripture, and my, my immediate response is usually, wow, that's... That's some incredible stuff, God's grace is. It, it's, it's designed to, to, to be bigger and deeper and, and broader and softer and harder and firmer and truer and, and, and more compassionate and more than I ever dreamed before. And, and it is all of that and more. It is, it is a picture of who he is. And he is all of that and more. And so if you want to get a, a clear picture of who Jesus is, it's really about his grace. It's really about seeing him through a lens and seeing others, consequently, through a lens of grace. If you missed some of these messages, I hope you'll go to, uh, to our website and, and, and download and listen to some of the ones you missed or go to iTunes and you can, you can download the podcast there into an Apple device. But um, when, when, you see the, when you see the scope of God's grace and the breadth and depth of God's grace, I'm going to tell you, it blows you away. It blows you away. And there, as I say, we've touched on three promises of, of probably five or six hundred in Scripture, conservatively speaking, that grace brings about. Why? Because of his love for us. Because of his mercy for us. Because of grace poured all over us again and again and again and again. That's who he is. That's his nature. That's what he does. You know what? It's who he's called us to be too. Again and again and again. Let's pray. Thanks again for listening to today's message from Cross Point Church, helping people navigate the journey toward an authentic, biblical, and contagious walk with Christ.